Hey everybody, you're listening to Sit Down with Stand-Ups, I'm Ari Azizian, and thanks for tuning in. You guys are awesome. You guys are tuning in all the time, every week. It really means a lot. I really appreciate it. And uh, if you're listening for the first time, be sure to subscribe to Sit Down with Stand-Ups on your phone to keep up to date with the latest episodes. Just go to that Purple Podcast app on your phone, type in Sit Down with Stand-Ups, and click subscribe. It's that easy. Episodes will get loaded onto your phone the day they come out, and you can delete them right when you're done listening to them. All right. My guest today is one of my favorite guys out there. He's a hilarious comedian. He's been on The Tonight Show, BET's Comic View, and he's a regular at all the major clubs out here in L.A. He's at the Improv all the time, the Comedy Store, the Laugh Factory, the Ice House, and the Comedy and Magic Club, where I got a chance to know him a bit. I'm talking today with the very funny Jason Collings. We talked about pretty much everything from stand-up to Star Wars. He's a really funny dude and one of the nicest guys out there. Great talk. And you should follow him at Jason Collings on Twitter and visit his site, jasoncollings.com, to see when he's going to be in your area. Go see him, folks. All right, here's Jason. already on hello testing on. test test testicle crease <laughs> testicle crease penis wrinkle penis wrinkle those those words actually get every tone and and p- p- the pops really yeah <laughs> I, I used to do, be in the recording industry with music and we in the in the uh, recording studio that's how we would test the you're in music too pop, pop. yeah back when i was like 19 20 oh awesome like what kind of music did hip-hop. you play no i produced hip-hop music no way I had 19, no idea 1989 90 and 91 i think it was get out of here I was doing that, yeah. Just right I, here in Long Beach? Yeah. I, well, I mean, I was all over. All over? I, I, I had a home studio in Long Beach at my parents' house that I had built. Yeah. That's so and sick. I recorded a bunch of stuff. I did a I did a bunch of songs on the soundtrack of a Forrest Whitaker movie you know, for, that made for HBO. Really? Called Strapped. Yeah. Strapped. Okay. That's it so was, cool. It was, yeah. It was one of my claims to fame when I was doing music. And then I signed a bad contract, lost a bunch of money, and then uh, got out of the business and opened a martial arts school and did that for the next 20 years. Dude, that's rad. So you opened a martial arts school right yeah. after that? Yeah, because I wanted to kick everybody's ass. Wrong to me. <laughs> How can I do that? What was the bad deal? Like some Just, guy. It was a. It was a mess. It was. Uh, you know, the owner of the label ran out of money, and turns out that it, you know his wife was m- more of the majority owner of the label, and then he cheated on her. It was just a big mess. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So you started out in music. Did you always want to like kind of be an entertainer of some oh, sort? Oh yeah, I've always had the entertainment bug. On my, my, you know, my dad was an entertainer. My dad was really? a musician, and he, you know, he toured all over the country doing rock and roll. He was yeah, no he, way. yeah. He had a hit single in the seventies and was on American Bandstand. And what? That's yeah, awesome. What, what was the song? Or what uh, band was it? The band was called Feather, and the, the single was Friends. But Feather, you know, he was in a number of bands, and he he did that until I was about eight years old. Dang, from before awesome. I was born for two. So you just grew up kind of like watching him and like go on tour and yeah, stuff I mean, like that. I grew up in the whole entertainment scene. I mean, we, you know, uh, I, my brother and I slept in recording studios and guitar cases and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah, my dad, you know, he was a touring musician. Yeah, and that's uh, he's you know that's 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 a life right there. Was it like a fun life that you were like experienced? Like, would you like well, I want to do something like that one day? Uh, you know, I always wanted to do music. I knew I always wanted to do some. I always, I knew I always wanted to do something in entertainment. Yeah. But the life for us ended at when I was about eight years old, and we just became the normal suburban family because dad, uh, 
you know, just music wasn't doing it anymore. And he had two young guys, two young kids, me and my brother at the house to take care of. And my mom said, you know, you got to get a real job so we could feed these kids. And, you know, he one day he just quit everything. Wow. Quit music and um, got a couple of odd jobs here and there for, for a little bit. And then, you know, and, but before before he had quit music, you know, he was on the road a lot. Yeah. And he'd be gone a lot. And but when I was eight and he quit, boom, super dad from then on for the rest of his life. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, coached all my football t- teams and all that stuff. And one day we were at uh, football practice, and a brand new Porsche pulls up to the practice field. And you understand, I played football in a pretty low income area. We, yeah. that, we, you know, when you saw a Porsche, everybody went, "Oh my God, look, those are real!" Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. And his Porsche pulled up, and the guy gets out of the car, and I recognize him as the guitar player of one of my dad's old bands that he was in. No. I'm like, what's going on? And it turns out that that guy, he had also stopped doing music and went into the electronics industry and started a components company. Yeah. And he came to my dad and said, I want you to run this startup company with me. And then that's what my dad ended up doing for the next 20 years. He turned this little company into a Fortune 500 Inc. Wow. Deal. And then from there, when he was, I think he was like 50, I think. 40 something years old he retired into martial arts we opened a martial arts school when i was 21 that's so cool yeah and then so the entrepreneurial like ship just like comes i've from never dad had a real job yeah that's so awesome that's like <laughs> i never had a real job and it's awesome that's i totally what i want to do just start something and like work at that yeah but that's the thing you got to stick with it right. a lot of people give up so quick yeah so totally quick. Like, especially with comedy, with stand-up and acting is, I mean, there's more heartbreak than, there's more no's than there are yeses in this business. Absolutely, yeah. You know? That's the thing, too, like, music, because I, like, look up to musicians, too, and I'm like, how did those guys stick it through? Because comedy, you can find an open mic every night, but, like, on a Monday night, how do you fill up, like, a rock room or something like that? I think about that with just straight-ahead actors as well. Yeah, like, how do they, just every day, like... Like, we're so lucky as comedians to be able to just... Yeah, like you said, every night there's an outlet. You can, I can find go, something. I can if go you really somewhere, right. pick up a mic, and just talk. Mm-hmm. Man, that's, I mean, yeah, as a musician or a band even. Because you got to lug around all that equipment. kind of nutty because like, they're just like all day. They're just like, how do I use my skills? Like, So then they what they do is they just beca- they just, they're just they just acting in every right. part of their life. Yeah, at like the grocery their, store. In their, <laughs> in, yeah, at their grocery store. <laughs> what was the total again? <laughs> they're super in character. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to pay that much for a cliff bar. <laughs> Sir, it's just a cliff bar. Why are you being so dramatic? I'm not being dramatic. <laughs> I do not want to pay that much. I can go to Trader Joe's <laughs> and get this cliff bar for 99 cents. You're going to charge me a buck oh five? This reminds me of when my parents split up <laughs> and I was left alone. He just goes into like a backstory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's happening again. <laughs> Every time I buy a clip bar. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, like, I feel like as hard as comedy, I know, like, you said there's a bunch of no's in this business and you just got to oh, stick yeah. through it, but, like, that's the beauty of it. Like, you can, at any level, still, like, yeah. perform. That's why someplace. I never, people are, are you, are you an actor? I said, no, nah, I'm a comedian, that I, I, but I can act. Yeah. But I'm a comedian. Do you but like I to can. act? Have you done a lot of I acting enjoy stuff? It. Yeah. It's comes naturally for me. I like doing it. It's fun. I don't, I don't, I'm not real. I'm not one of those guys that goes, I need my, I need space. I need to find the character (laughs) and like pace around and like, I don't do that. Like I can memorize lines, teach a martial arts to children for 20 years and adults. And you know, you learn, you learn how to memorize. You just, 
memorization is right so easy. It's so what kind of martial arts were you doing? I taught Kempo karate and Brazilian jiu jitsu. Oh, awesome! And with Kempo karate, there's a lot of memorization of the moves and the in the traditional stuff, but also with, with in teaching, yeah, you have to remember everyone's name. Right. Not yeah. only do you have to remember everyone's name, you have to remember each one of their skill level, how much you ta- how much you taught this person compared to this person, and you have to remember. You have to retain all the information yourself, but then you have to remember what information have they retained. Right, yeah. So I have to remember so many things teaching. So when I started doing stand-up comedy, I, I ne- I've never written my jokes. I have never. Really? I don't write. Yeah. Mater- I write. I keep it in my head. It's there. I have at least, I got probably two hours of material in my head yeah. that I can do. But I don't write. Like, you'll never see me at an open mic with a pad of paper on the stool reading. Okay, let me try. Right, right, yeah. It, it, it's in there. That's amazing, It's in yeah. there, and, it, and it's not going anywhere. And the reason it's not going anywhere is is because I'm constantly doing it. It's just like martial arts. It's just like anything. If you exercise that muscle, it stays. Right. Like, I'm, I'm not going to take a week off of comedy, you know? Totally, yeah. It's and just, they come from experiences that you've had, right? Most mm-hmm. of those jokes, yeah. so like that's you the thing it. too. They're all true stories, so I'm not. I don't have to. I don't have to keep my story straight. <laughs> right. I mean, this is stuff that actually happened. These yeah. Are, these are people that are actually in my life. You know, my kids, my family, my friends. You know, things that actually happened, and that's why it's like, what? What was that story I was telling the other day? <laughs> I, I don't have to do that. I'm like, right. I'm gonna well, just tell you what exactly. No, no way. I was in. A <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna tell you exactly what happened. <laughs> Is it hard to, I'm always like amazed by people who can riff on stage and come up with material that way. Is it scary at first? No. Or like, are you pretty confident? You're like, this it's is going to be a funny. Yeah, because it, it's like a mindset. Like if you go up there, I feel like the biggest mistake like newer comedians or any comedian makes is when they, when they think about what will this audience think is funny? Okay. How can I make them laugh? It's yeah. not, if, if I think it's funny. Yeah. I think it's funny. And I'm confident in that. And if I, I feel like if I'm confident in that, the audience has no choice but to get on board. Right, yeah. And if they don't, it, I, yeah. don't ca- I don't care. It's like <laughs> my dad used to say, well, they can't eat you. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen, you know? Right. Really, what's the worst that can happen? In stand-up comedy, the worst thing that can happen is they don't laugh. Yeah, that's it. I think Fallon was asking Dave Chappelle, he's like, what happens when you like bomb really hard? And Dave Chappelle's like, nothing. I just go home. Like, not nothing happens. <laughs> not a thing happens. There's so many different things that I, like, like, like I've learned over the years. But then I, but, but I, I use my martial arts experience for in comedy a lot. Like, you know, you, 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 I use a fight analogy a lot, you know. You can't get better if you just, like, if I always fight the guy that I beat mm-hmm. and I just keep fighting him because I like winning. Yeah. I'm not going to get any better. Right. You got to fight the guy that's going to kick your ass. And you fight that guy until he can't kick your ass anymore. That's how I feel about stand-up comedy. You just keep doing it until you just, you know, you're the man. And that's why I think it's important to get, like, I I see a lot of comedians go, oh, I don't want to follow that guy. I can't follow him. Well, then that's why you should follow him. Yeah. You should keep following those guys until you can follow them. Right, right. You know, I I used and when I first started stand up, I met a I met a lady who was uh, she's awesome. Her name's Sandy Chanley. She she she's a she produced a lot of the one hour HBO specials, and she did Chris Rock's Bigger and Blacker. She was she's just she's just in comedy and she knows what she's talking about. And I was lucky enough that she took a liking to my stand up, and and we got a we had we got a relationship going about you know business relationship going, and she would come see me, and I would talk, and she'd want to know my progress, and I would call her, and I said, yeah, I was at the improv last night, and I crushed i was the kid i killed you know i mean that whole thing that comics like to say yeah and then she goes okay all right great sure and, I, and then i finally i asked her i go when are we gonna do something now? i've been killing and she goes you've been killing on these shows where 
if yeah, you better be killing on that lineup. She goes, when you are when you crush on a lineup full of crushers, then we'll talk. Wow. And that that hit a note. I was like, ah, okay. So whenever there was an opportunity and I was I was on a show and a drop in showed up, and somebody said who wants to follow him, I always stepped forward. Perfect example. I did a show one night at the Improv. There was a oh, there was a uh, show at the Improv for a while called White Boys of Comedy, <laughs> right? Yeah, the White Boys of Comedy show. And I was on this show, and who drops in to do a set on the White Boys of Comedy? Chris Rock. Get out. Chris Rock yeah. shows up to do a spot. And 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 the uh, the the guy that promotes the show comes up to all of us, and we're all newish, you mm-hmm. know. He says, "All right, Chris Rock is going to do a spot. He's going to drop in. Who wants to follow him?" And it was like something out of a movie. Everybody took a step backwards, <laughs> except me. Yeah. I said, "I'll do it. I'll follow him." And in my head, I'm like, "I I made the, the I made the the decision to do it." So I said, "I'm an, I'm okay if I bomb." I think you know a lot of comics just aren't okay when they bomb. Right. It, it stays with them for days, and they fucking I got to get on stage and. You know, redeem myself. But right. if in my head, if I go, this is going to happen, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. And if so, something good comes out of it, then and you're because like, this I made great. that, yeah, and because I made the decision in my head, I, I didn't bomb because I went on stage not worrying about bombing. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm going on after a guy that I admire so much in this game. You know what I mean? Like, what? Who wouldn't want to do this? This is awesome. Yeah. So I went on after him. I tagged a few things that he said. I made a joke about a few things that he did. And then I ended up having a great little 15-minute set. And he stayed in the room and watched. Wow. And said, hey, good job. Didn't, That's incredible. Didn't say anything else. Yeah. But the fact that Chris Rock watched me do stand-up and said, good job, was friggin' awesome. That's amazing. You know? Yeah. But I stepped, I stepped up. I said, I'll do I'll, I mean... I can't tell you how many guys were like, I don't want to follow him. I don't want to follow this guy. I can't follow. I mean, as long as you keep telling yourself that, you can't, you know? Right. I mean, then there are styles of comedy that don't work together, I might, I think. Like, there are, you know, if you get, like, a high-energy guy and then bring another, bring in, a, like, a one-liner low-energy guy. Maybe that, maybe that, you know, and it, it doesn't have anything to do with the, the, the skill level of the comic. I think sometimes it's just the room. I've what, literally seen at the Laugh Factory on those late night shows, like a 10, mm-hmm. like somebody with high energy, like Harlan Williams or somebody will come and then Maranzio Vance will follow. Yeah. And you know how like the late night shows people get up yeah. at the Laugh Factory and leave? A bunch, like 10 people get up to leave once Maranzio starts talking because he's that slow yeah. vibe. But and then they hear his so jokes funny. and they literally, I watch them come back and sit yeah. down because he's the funniest. Like My buddy, uh, my buddy Joe Coy likes to do that. Yeah. Like he'll go on and like one night, not too long ago, we were, where were we? At the parlor in Hollywood and Brad Williams was on stage and you know, Brad, yep. just little dude, big energy. Yeah, totally. And it, very entertaining and very funny. And he's on stage and he's just, ah, just killing it. I mean, cr- crushing. Yeah. And Joe goes on after him and it's, and l- walks on stage and doesn't say anything really. He's, he holds his water bottle and he kind of like, Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> He's, you know, he does this thing where he peels the, the label off of his water bottle <laughs> yeah. when he's on stage, you know. And he's like, what's up, hi guys. He's real mellow. And he just starts talking. Just really low energy. But then the things he's saying are so damn funny that it's, you just watch this audience go from like silence right. to just building and building and building and building. And man, that's to me, that's like a pro. That's, it's so fun to watch. That's that, a fucking yeah. pro, dude. Yeah. Just like bring everybody in. 
in like and I control learned, room. I learned about, a lot about that kind of stuff watching him and like the silence. Like I've watched so many comics go on stage and when it's quiet, dead quiet in the room, they start sweating, sweating. I'm like, and I tell them when they get off stage, I go, don't, don't, don't do that. Yeah. Love that. Si- live in that silence because here's my opinion about the silence. That means they're listening. Right. Yeah. You should be worried when they start having conversations among themselves. That's when you should be like, totally. Just get off the stage because they don't give a shit. But if they're silent but looking at you, they're listening. Give them something to listen to. Totally, yeah. That's, that's a great way to think about it, yeah. That's what I think. So you were buddies with Joe Coy like when he was- He's one of my best friends. Joe Coy is one of my best friends. Uh, I've been friends. With, I've been doing stand-up for 10 years. I've probably known Joe for 15. That's awesome. And he's a, I met him through a friend that I grew up with. And I, we were introduced because my buddy that I grew up with knew I loved stand-up. And I kind of had an idea that I wanted to do it. And he's like, yeah, I didn't my buddy owned a company that was sponsoring him and he said, you got to meet this guy. And we met at a barbecue one night and I didn't even know it was him. We just kind of met at the food line. Yeah. And we just started going back and forth with each <laughs> other, being funny and whatever. And we sat at a table together and I'm making him laugh. He's making me laugh. And I'm like, this guy's cool. Where, who's yeah. this guy? <laughs> and he says, what do you do? I go, ah, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And he goes, nah, what do you do? I go, I am a martial arts instructor. I teach martial arts. He goes, oh man. And I don't know if you know anything. The Joe has a love for martial arts. He likes, yeah, yeah. loves that shit. So we got in a conversation. I go, well, what do you do? Because he was telling me, man, you're funny, dude. You're really funny. And I said, well, what do you do? And he goes, I'm a comedian. And I, in my head, I'm like, I got a comedian telling me I'm funny. <laughs> Maybe I should give it a shot. You know. I mean? And then I ended up hanging with him for like a year, going to a bunch of shows with him. And every night, I'd be like, I want to do it, man. I want to do stand-up. I did that for like a year. That's so awesome. Went to all, but I never got the balls to do it. Yeah. You know, because I got stuck into martial arts. And that world, and and uh, and at the time, I didn't realize how valuable those those skills were for my stand-up. I mm-hmm. literally just, to me, it was two different things still. So you get stuck in doing one thing, and this other thing just seems like so foreign and scary to do, you know. And and I'm like, get on get on stage in front of people. But then I and then I then I realized like I'm on stage in front of people every day and every night teaching large groups of people. Right. Yeah. And when you teach a large room, it, it, you have to learn how to command that room and keep their attention for an hour. Right. Yeah. You know. So I, by the time I did not, and I was always flirting around the idea of doing stand up and stuff. And, and meanwhile, my dad was, my dad was diagnosed with cancer oh, and he was an entertainer and, and, and he was like, come on. So one day, uh, Joe has a, sh- I, you know, I'm from your dad pushing you to try it. Dad didn't really push me to do anything. Dad was more like, or like supportive. Whatever, that you very to supportive, do it. Yeah. very supportive and whatever makes you happy kind of a thing and follow your dream is what his thing was because he had a dream of being a musician and a rock star and he did it a little bit, but he didn't follow through with it mm-hmm. because of, you know, he made the decision to raise the kids and all that stuff. And that's another reason why I didn't get into it earlier. Cause I had children young. I mean, I had two young kids, you know, but when, when did you start like doing stand up? Yeah. Uh, 10 years, almost 10 years ago. Here's how I started. Joe Coy. And I live down here in Long Beach. Mm. Joe Coy is up in LA. He had a show at the Irvine improv. Okay. He says, hey, I'll come pick you up and you come to my show with me. I go, okay, but I'm at my parents' house. So pick me up at my parents' house. He's like, all right, cool. And plus my dad really wanted to meet him because my dad, being an ex-entertainer, loved meeting other entertainers. Mm. So Joe comes to the house and meets Pop, meets my dad, and and they end up having a conversation without me in the room. So we get in the car to go to the show and Joe says, yo, man, are you really serious about doing stand-up comedy? I said, yeah, yeah, I want to do it. I want to do it. Now, by this time, I've been telling him that. When you tell somebody that, Right away, they're like, oh, cool. But it, 
when you're telling somebody that for like a year and you never do it, they're just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Dude. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Boy who cried wolf kind of thing, I guess. Like show me, not tell yeah, me. Yeah, right. And my dad was a big show me, not tell me guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't tell, don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you've done kind of a thing. Right. And uh, Joe says, well, why don't you do it? I mean, and he was serious this time. I go, what do you, he goes, if you don't do it like soon, you your dad might not be able to see you do it because he was pretty sick at this time. And I didn't, and I was like, oh shit, interesting. I don't want to have any regrets. So like a couple days later, I went to the Ha Ha Cafe in Hollywood, North yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. And I dropped Joe's name. I told the owner, Jack, I said, I'm, gonna, I'm a comedian. I'd never done it before. You know? <laughs> I said, I'm a comedian. I've been doing it for five years. <laughs> uh, Joe Coy told me to come down here and that you'd give me a spot. That's not what Joe said. <laughs> Joe told me to go do the open mic. Right. I'm like, eh. At the time, I, when I started doing stand-up, I was 35, 35 years old. Which wow, is yeah. Not, that's pretty old to start. So I've, I had this thing in my head. And watching my dad get sick and fade, and I'm like, we don't have a lot of time. I'm not going to fuck around with open mics. It's, that was just my mentality at the totally, time. Totally, yeah. So I said, I wanna, I wanna, I'm, a, I'm a comic. And Jack said, oh, Joe Coy sent you? I go, yeah, one of my best friends. He goes, come, uh, come tomorrow. You're on the show. Not Sweet. the open mic. Right, the, the show. show. Wow. On a Thursday night. Yeah. Eight o'clock show Thursday night. Never done stand up before. <laughs> so I call my brother and I said, "We got to write some jokes, dude." He goes, "What do you mean?" I go, "I'm doing stand up comedy tomorrow night. I'm booked on a comedy show, and I never even held a microphone. <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't spoken into a microphone in 20 years because that was how long it's been since I did any kind right. of music or production or anything like that. So I get to the all the jokes like, "Hey guys, did you ever hear about?" Yeah, yeah. Like so I I I sit down with my brother the next day and I and I start to write things out and it just didn't feel right i was like you know what dave I th- i'm just gonna wing it he goes what i'm just gonna go and get on stage and start talking to see what happens because we we already had a comedy mind and I, and I was able to make people laugh and i felt like i was right yeah so the next night i show up to the show they put me on the sweet spot they gave me the third spot nice the guy goes you're doing 15 minutes <laughs> i never done stand up before yeah. but for me that didn't sound like a long thing because i i don't know the game right and I do something. I teach an hour. I teach a one-hour class four times a night. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, totally. like, 15 minutes didn't sound like shit to me. Right. So, I was like, okay, cool, 15 minutes. And then he says, I'll give you the light at whatever. <laughs> I had no idea what, what that meant. <laughs> I'm like, what does he mean by that? In my head. But to him, I went, yeah, yeah, cool, the light, whatever. Yeah. No, I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> so, then I, I'm on stage, and I'm going. I'm doing crowd work. I'm doing callbacks. I'm doing a great job for the first time doing stand-up. Yeah. Then he starts, the, the booker guy starts waving his phone at me. And at first I'm like, what do I, what do, I do I have a phone call? <laughs> you know, <laughs> why is he up. waving his phone at me? <laughs> and then it hit me. I'm like, that's what he meant by the light. My time's up. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Good night. And it was 15 minutes. I get off stage and they say, come back tomorrow. That's incredible. And I've been, and been doing stand up ever since. And when I came back the next show, yeah. I brought a video camera with me, f- taped my set, brought it home. Put it in the VCR to show I'm my sure dad. dad. Yeah, and he said, "This does not look like a guy that's only been doing this twice." Wow. He goes, "This." He goes. He said, "This is, this is what you're supposed to be doing." That's incredible. From a guy who likes in like entertainment yeah. business, yeah. that yeah. He goes, "This is what you're supposed to be doing. Don't don't stop doing this." That's so awesome. And then he passed away a month later. Oh my gosh. And I was able to see him. Yeah. I was able to have him see me do stand up. Yeah. And then I find that found out. I look in my my mom's fridge one day, a few months after he had passed away, mm-hmm. and I was a brand new comic at this time. Yeah, and I, there was a bottle of Don Perignon in the in the fridge, 
And I go, mom, what are you doing with this? And she's like, dad said to open that to celebrate you getting your first paid gig as a com- as a comedian. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, what? Like he had that. Yeah. Belief. He told my mom. He knew you were going to be a good comic. Yeah. Open this bottle and, and celebrate his first paid gig. Still have not opened the bottle yet. I've had plenty wow. of paid gigs. Yeah. Don't I haven't opened the bottle yet. That's such an I amazing feel like, story. I feel like I want it to be like a huge thing. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean I I did the Tonight Show. Yeah. And if you look at the end of my set at the Tonight Show, I point up like that. That was that was to dad. Wow. Still haven't opened that bottle up. That's amazing. Can't do it. I don't know why. It's just a weird thing. It's yeah. cool. Isn't it cool that like he knew like he's like my yeah. son, like right when he sees you like And yeah, understand. My dad was a funny dude. Like he no one made me and my brother laugh like my dad. I mean we like the, the 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 HBO specials were like the thing in my house. Like yeah, when the new Carlin special was coming out on HBO, we made it a point that the we all my mom and my dad and my brother totally, and I, yeah. we all sat down together. It was Absolutely. like comedy was huge in our house. Like yeah, I remember flipping through my dad's Bill Cosby and Red Fox albums and like oh, George Carlin awesome. albums. Yeah. You know, and we would put them on and listen to them. And <laughs> I mean, we got in trouble a few times for listening. I mean, we were my brother and I were listening to Red Fox when we were. Eight, nine, <laughs> ten-year-old kids. You know what I mean. And the that guy was album. that guy was dirty. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, man, that's that. And so, so my, my just, parents are saying like, and my mom like when I told them I wanted to like try, you know, I want to try stand up. They're like, what? And I was like, well, you know, when we were growing up, when Chris Rock was on Sin Battles, I was like we'd all gather around. Like, what did you think? Was like, the thing, gonna happen? You like trained me to and nothing like this. Nothing feels, nothing feels like doing like making people laugh. You know what I mean? It's like the coolest thing that it, it j- just by talking to you people i'm gonna make you happy enough that you're laughing because laughing t- is smiling out loud yep you know and i'm making you guys do that that's awesome that it's makes me the feel coolest great. job yeah i remember actually i was on the roof one night at the comedy magic club and i was just like just started i was like 19 years old and, and i yeah. saw you and i was like and you were always so nice to me and i was like mr collings like i'm thinking about i want to do like mr. stand collings. up did like, i look over my shoulder and see if my dad was there <laughs> Mr. Calling, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, uh, should I do like an open mic or like how did you like go about like how does it, how does one go about this?" And you're like, "Oh, my first time, I did 15 minutes on a show, and uh, like I never did an it's, open mic." And I was like, "And you're like, bye." And I was like, "That guy's a superhero, like, but he's that's not the way it usually goes." <laughs> right. right. I found out later about like open mics. You know, stuff. it's it, it, I don't know how I figured out how to how I you know what it was. It wasn't like I f- like it, when I I almost said I don't know how I skip that part and fool everyone it, i can't say that because the reason i didn't do the open mic thing because i said because somebody had said do an open mic but i didn't even know what that was mm-hmm. i didn't know what an open mic was my experience with stand-up comedy was was the comedy store and i'd never watched comedy in a, in a coffee shop i'd never right. watched comedy in a bar i didn't even know that existed yep in my mind my uneducated mind i thought Oh, I want to do stand-up comedy, so I'm going to go check in at the Laugh Factory, and they'll put me on. That's what I thought it was right. like. You yeah. just don't know. So that was why I skipped all that stuff because I didn't know it existed. It was almost like my ignorance to it helped, <laughs> you know. Because had I been educated on the whole open mic scene, that's probably what I would have done. Yep, absolutely what I would have done. As a matter of fact, because I think that I did a few things too soon. I feel like I headlined my first major club too soon. I feel like I did a lot of things way too soon. I feel like I should have gone and done those five minute spots at those shitty places and developed a personality and developed uh, uh, Jason Collins. Mm-hmm. You know, fortunately, I was able to do those de- do that developing on shows, and I was lucky enough that once I 
started, there were people that were like, come do my thing, come do my thing. Right, you know? yeah. Phil Verone, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, Phil Verone. Phil Verone, Phil Verone it was a, he was the drummer for Skid Row. Oh, okay, yeah. 80s rock band. Well, Phil Verone decided he was going to start doing stand-up. And Phil Verone and Mo Collins, Mo Collins was on Mad TV. Yeah, yeah. And she's been in tons of movies. Very funny comedic actress. She decided she was going to try stand-up. And her and Phil Verone were friends. And the night, my first time ever doing stand-up, was Phil's night, first night, and Mo Collins', Collins is first night. We were all on the same show. Yeah. And um, Chris D'Elia was there. He had been, he'd, been, he'd been around for about six months. That's how him and I became buddies. Mm-hmm. My first night in comedy, he was there. But Phil, because of his rock star background, the improv gave him a show on Saturday nights called Sex, Stand-Up, and Rock and Roll. And he knew so many people, and he was kind of like a quasi-celebrity, right. so of course the comedy club's going to give him a night. And because I met him my first time doing stand-up, he said, hey, I'm going to put you on my show at the Improv. So I was on the main, I was on the Improv on a Saturday night four months into doing stand-up. That's so cool. You know? Yep. And that kind of stuff would happen. And because of that, because of Phil Verone putting me on that show, I got familiar and comfortable with the Improv. So I would sh- I, then I showed up again on Friday night. And there was a show on Friday night at the Improvs every Friday night called Refried Friday. Yeah, yeah. And I walked up to the door manager, and it just so happened she remembered me from Phil's show. And she said, oh, hey, you're back. I go, yeah. I go, whose show is it tonight? And she goes, oh, it's Refried Friday. She goes, I think I can get you a spot. <laughs> I mean, nobody gets that lucky. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know that my path is not the normal path. You know what I mean? So... She said, I think I get you a spot. And then she introduces me to the guy hosting. They give me a five-minute spot. I have a great set. The guy hosting says, hey, the guy that runs this show is out of town right now, but I'm going to tell him about you. Come back next week. That's so awesome. Yeah. So then. <laughs> Just domino effect. Yeah. I'm at the improv every Friday night, literally either emceeing the refried show or doing little spots. I'm on that show pretty much every Friday night. Yeah. You know, so that got me in good with the improv. The booker's assistant saw me. Says email him. I email him. Next thing you know, I'm a paid regular at the Improv. I'm on their paid regular email list. Didn't have to showcase. Didn't have to do any of that stuff. Other than, I mean, I shouldn't say I didn't have to showcase because me doing stand-up is showcasing. Right. They saw me do it. But, you know, next thing I know, I'm getting booked to MC weekends for Patrice O'Neill and, wow. and yeah. Craig Robinson. And, you know, so it just kind of did that domino thing. And then one weekend I'm at the Brea Improv opening for somebody. I can't remember who. And I'd become buddy-buddy with the management. I'm standing in the office talking to him. And he's like, damn. I go, what? I goes, D.L. Hughley canceled his Thursday night. I got to get another headliner. And the waiter behind me goes, why don't you have Collings do it? I was not ready to headline. Yeah. But when you're new, you think, oh, headlining. Yeah, take any opportunity. He goes, do you want to do it? And I go, yeah, I'll do it. So my first time ever headlining an actual A-list club was the Brea Improv, name on the marquee, line down the street to get in to see. Wow. Yeah. A lot of those people thought it was maybe, maybe still going to be D.L. Hugo. <laughs> but luckily I gave them a good enough show that they were happy and they weren't disappointed. But yeah. And then, but then I got spoiled. I'm like, now nah, I'm a headliner. I'm a headliner now. I was nowhere <laughs> effing near a headliner. A headliner is somebody that can sell tickets and put butts in the seats, but at the same time give you a solid hour. I mean, I could do, I mean, even now. I've done some television. I've done a lot of things. I can do an hour and a half to two hours show, but I'm not famous. You know, I have a following, and there are people that know who I am, and they like my stand-up, but I'm not going to sell out full weekends yet. You know what I mean? So it's, there's, right. it's a process. Yeah. You know? And now I'm smart enough to know that. i got to figure out something else to do to get butts in the seats, get right. on TV, get whatever. You know what I mean? That's why I'm 
my brother and I finished a pilot. We're shopping that thing oh, around. Oh, sweet. Yeah, based on the stuff I talk about on stage, having the older kids. Oh, uh, awesome. Know, yeah, I got a pilot written on that. And, uh, you know, I'm opening for big... Um, my buddy Chris D'Elia is taking me on the road all the time. I'm opening for him a lot. Uh, Chris and I did a 30-something city tour together this last year. And then Brent and I are... That's so Brent fun, Moore yeah. And I doing, so I'm, I'm doing it. I'm finding my following that way. Yeah. Like getting on these shows with these guys and... It's so funny you mentioned Chris because I, I knew you first as a comic and then I, I didn't know Chris's material at all yet. I like hadn't listened Lillian. to him yet. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my cousin was a super Chris Lillian fan. Like he'd go to all the Laugh Factory shows and he's like, there's this guy named Chris Lillian. You got to go see him. He's awesome. And I, he just never came to Comedy Magical, so I didn't know. Like the, I only knew the comics of Comedy Magical. And then one night I came to go see Brent Morin with my comic uh, with my cousin at yeah. the improv. And then you saw me and you're like, hey, buddy, what's going on? And you're yeah. like super nice. And then Brent Moore was there. And then Brent's like, who are you here to see? I was like, oh, we're here to see you. And then I walked away. And then my cousin's like, you didn't even say it. Like, I had a, and I was like, who? He's like, Chris Lee was sitting at the table the whole time. And you didn't even, I was like, funny. oh, I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> That's funny. It's so funny because they're like seeing my seeing Chris like being legit famous to me is just such a trip because and Brent as well, because the three of us we're like we started together we were yeah. like the three amigos the we, ha -ha. Went, we went to bars together i mean i we've known each other since you know we were doing bar shows and stuff totally and now, yeah and now they're both killing it and chris is like legit like when we go on the road we can't even walk around anywhere really anymore yeah wow, yeah we you know we're sitting at a starbucks and people come up to the window and start trying to take his picture and it's like jeez, yeah it's like legit fame now it's pretty that crazy. must be so fun to like watch like it's a trip it's yeah. fun it's 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 one of those things where like I'm like a proud proud dad kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, that's right, you know. He he he's doing it. But the great thing I feel like I love about all those guys like on on dateable and stuff like that, like mm -hmm. they got that like Sandler Rock Farley vibe, like they're just like all their friends. Oh like, yeah, we're, yeah. There's like a giant rat pack, you guys, and it yeah, looks it, like a lot of fun. It it's it is oh man. I mean you see we're we're me, Chris and Brent right now are group texting yeah. and that's just constant it's just a constant thing. It's it's fun it, and it's good to have real friends in this business because those are hard to find totally yeah you know you know you know who your friends are and you know who you, people are just trying to get something from you are you right know? and i think that's why chris brent and i have remained so close all through all these years is because we've known each other since there was we had nothing to offer each other but <laughs> friendship you know right exactly so yeah with those early times when you're getting up like show after show because like i know like from multiple experiences i've heard from comics like maybe they'll do great the first time and then the second time then they'll like have a streak of like just like bombs or like then they'll start to learn i mean did you have any like moments where you like fortunately i haven't i've 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 i don't know i've bombed but i didn't feel like bombing because i was almost enjoying it yeah <laughs> like i'm 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 able to find the positive in in that like if i start bombing it's going to get really weird and fun. <laughs> I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to blame the audience. Fuck right. you guys. What's wrong with you guys? How right. many comics do you see doing that? Yeah. Why aren't you guys laughing at these jokes, man? <laughs> I so badly want to be an audience member and go, because they're not funny, dude. You know. <laughs> but instead of doing that, I just, I'm like, I just, all right, we'll just go into some weird shit and we'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about and it'll be horrible. Right. But it, for some reason, it doesn't feel like bombing because I'm having so much fun. Totally, yeah. Because I really believe there are worse things in life that can happen to me. I'd rather, you know, not get laughs on stage at a comedy club than get, I don't know, hit by a car. I don't know. Like, there's right. so many different things. 
Yeah, exactly. Because I've been on stage where people throw shit at me. Like I had a guy one night heckle me, and I said something back, and next thing you know, an ice cube hit my my glasses. Jeez. And I'm and my thought is could have been worse. I could have been not wearing my glasses, and that thing would have hit me right in the eye. Right. In Arizona one night at a club, I was headlining this couple this guy was getting just really drunk and it was finally to the point where i looked at this and nobody was doing anything and i finally looked at security i go somebody's got to do something yeah guys come on everybody else is trying to enjoy the show this guy's ruining it so security comes to get him it's a small club and he says oh come on man are you serious i'm like yeah man you're ruining i'm not even like yeah i'm not even calling him names i'm just like being like yeah you're ruining everybody else's time people might pay tickets to come see the show you're they did not come to pay they didn't pay to see you. They paid to see me. I was just being like that. So he starts to leave, and like a snap of a finger, he grabs his beer and throws it right at my face. Jesus. A full pitcher of beer in the glass. Yeah. Did and it get I, you? No, man. I'm a fifth-degree black belt. Yeah. <laughs> you grabbed all the molecules in the air. that shit. It, no, seriously, though. I'd move my head to the side, and like out of a movie, that thing hit the wall right behind my head. Fuck. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa. with the glass too, everything. Jesus, yeah. he picked. It was one of those big. Yeah, I'm not a beer guy, but those big mugs with the handle, and he just threw it at me. Yeah, I mean, so I'm thinking, if they're not laughing, that's fine. There's right. worse things that can happen, you know. <laughs> you it's know? like Blues Brothers where they have the like chicken wire in front where they yeah, all throw the bottles. Had, me and Chris did a gig. I can't remember the name of the place. Somewhere way out in the Inland Empire, mm-hmm. a bar show, and it was that kind of like roadhouse really? kind of spot. Like it, it was a it was a music venue for yeah. sure. That some guy said, "Let's do a comedy show here." At. And there was a <laughs> bunch of just bikers at the bar. Oh and, god! Yeah. And a guy in the audience said, "I'll see you outside." To me, while I was on stage, mid show, Jesus, I'll see, I'll see you outside, and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> so me and Chris hightailed out. Is there a back door? Up. Is there somewhere I can? Just... I went to the front. I manned up. <laughs> I actually went up to the guy. I said, were you serious about it? Because you're still inside. Yeah. You're, we're, yeah he went, I went to the bar. I thought, I'm going to either try to intimidate him into not wanting to fight because I don't want to fight him. somehow. So I walked up and I put my hand on the shoulder. I go, were you serious about that meeting outside? <laughs> and he just looked at me and we looked at each other and he just kind of laughed it off and bought me a drink. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> bought me a drink. Yeah, like I feel like, I mean, obviously getting a bottle thrown at you, but like other than that, Nothing really bad can... It's such it's such an ego thing with people. Like, I just failed. No, you, you didn't fail because you were up there. You were up there doing it. Most yeah. people don't have the balls to even do that. Totally. So the fact that you just didn't connect with the audience isn't, isn't a failure, really. I mean, you failed to connect, but you're not... It's just, it's just such an ego thing. Like, I, I don't... That doesn't bother me. The only time it would bother me and I've seen it happen to other people, is if there's just a hot crowd, mm-hmm. if this crowd is hot and every comic is crushing it, every comic's having a great set, and right. then you go up and you're the only one that didn't, yeah. then I'm like, Get, what the hell's wrong? I'm quitting. Right, yeah. You know? That hasn't, has that happened to me? I mean, it might have. There's been, dude, there's just been so many shows. Sometimes, for me, like, I felt bad bombing once because, like, I do the same thing. I like I'll have fun when I'm bombing, so I'll just yeah. like goof around as yeah. much as possible. And then I saw like a bunch of guys waiting who didn't get the name on the lottery list, and yeah. I was like, oh, I just wasted time. Like somebody else could have oh, went and like lottery list. You shows. know, what sh- where was this? Uh, I did. Uh, what's it called? Echoes under sunset. Oh, I've done that room. Yeah, oh, I, I, I bombed in that room. 
Really? That room I bombed? You just remember? I started talking to the camera that plays in the other room. I was just goofing off. I bombed in that room. I like that room, but I just got weird in there. Yeah. But then I saw like a list of people who didn't get on. I was like, oh man, like this guy probably practiced so much in front of a mirror and I just wasted his time. Who runs that? I knew a dude named Quincy that ran a show there. It's a cool place. Yeah, it's a cool little spot. It looks like an actual like yeah. club. It's a little really low key. Yeah, I did have a, I did have a rough set in that room, one time. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I think I tend to block out the bad ones and just only want to remember. Yeah. <laughs> and you block them out so much, you're like, "Have you ever bombed?" Hell no, I don't bomb. <laughs> once and Are barely counting me. <laughs> I bombed once and it didn't count because <laughs> it was their fault. <laughs> How to follow Def Leppard. Yeah, you man. Try it, man. You try to follow Def Leppard. <laughs> That's funny. You're a big Star Wars guy? Big Star Wars fan. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Are you excited for this new one or um, not really? I am. Yeah? I'm very excited for this new one. And, you know, also all of, obviously because of a lot of the original cast from the... Totally, right? Yeah. My father took me and my brother to the premiere no the way. Original Star Wars at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood. No way. That's yeah. so cool. That was walked even, us over there. People didn't even know it was going to be like a huge we, thing. We weren't invited either. Yeah. <laughs> we. My dad had this thing where he just said, lines don't exist. And, and he said, if you just act natural and act like you're supposed to be there, no one, well, no one will stop you. Dude, that totally works. And it works. Yeah. He took, you know, he's got these two identical twin boys with giant curly hair, took us by the hand and walked us in. <laughs> And we watched Star Wars at the Chinese theater. But did you know it was going to be like this huge phenomenon when no. you first saw it? Yeah. And when you're when you're as young as I was, because we were, what was 1976, I believe? Yeah, something like that. So I was five. Yeah. I was five or six years old. So all you care is it is a big deal to me. Right. Like that's all. You don't really think about critics and how is this going to be a phenomenon. I'm just like, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then there's another one coming, right. and then there's another one coming. And we had every, you know, and all the toys and everything we, that are coming. We, out. My dad, my parents did their. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, but my parents did their best to have. To I mean, we had some good Star Wars. The one that I never got was the Millennium Falcon toy. Those that are so like, hard to like. Those were like the holy grail. Yeah, I mean, it was so expensive and so big. It was yeah. such a big toy. Had the elevator so, thing yeah. and like all the trap doors. So all these years later, when that second trilogy came out. It felt so good for me to be able to go get my son <laughs> the Millennium a Millennium Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. And we still have a lot of the toys here in storage and stuff. But yeah, man. Do you see the new one, the Millennium Falcon drone at Target? No. It has a fan in it and it just like oh, totally flies and goes forward and backwards. I'm getting yeah. it. How, How much, much is it? I think it's like 50 bucks. I'm getting it. Yeah. We're going to have to get that. It looks awesome. Oh, man. Did you play the games too, Battlefront? I don't. My son, my kids do. Mm-hmm. I don't do video games because my, my eyes don't oh, yeah. work too good with that. But I mean... Those video games now just like you're like you're watching a movie. Yeah, you're in the movie. Yeah, it's totally insane. But man, I am a huge, huge fan of Star Wars. I follow any Star Wars account that's on Instagram or Twitter, or any of that. I follow it. I, I don't care. I like, 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 like. Dude, like. me too. My my college dorm, we named it the Echo Base. Me oh, and my that's friend. the best. Yeah, it kept us safe from the Galactic Empire and women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super nerdy. We had every poster just up on the wall. Oh uh, yeah. If you want every vagina. You know. <laughs> We'd show it up to, to like, dry up. like, hey guys, check it out. And the girl's like, what? Like, you're 19. Come on in to my Sarlacc pit. <laughs> oh, I'll make you man. drink over the cantina. <laughs> That's so funny. No, no, Star Wars is definitely, it's becoming cool to be a Star Wars nerd. Right. Because you know? Disneyland's like more, taking over it. Yeah, so. there's nothing more irritating than a hot girl going, I'm a Star Wars nerd. Right. No, you're not because it's actually cool now. Right. Do you know what a Sarlacc pit is? Yeah. No? Okay. And, it, and if it's a cool thing, 
You know what I mean? Have you been to the freaking Comic Con shit lately? It, Did you ever go to those? Yeah, I went to the Star I've, Wars. I've never I had a chance. Star to Wars celebration in Anaheim this last With, year. Um, Harrison Ford. My brother up? was. My brother got two passes, and that's so rad. And I can't tell you how many cool ass people were there. Like, yeah. there's a, a bunch of hot women, a bunch of you know what I mean. It's totally. not. It's not a. It's cool to be a dork now. It's cool to be a nerd. Right. So it's to me that's not nerdy. Exactly. At all. Yeah, it's mainstream. You know what I mean? It's just not nerdy at all. And everything has its nerd, and everybody's like, "I'm a, I'm a food nerd. I'm a comedy nerd. I'm a football nerd." Like, it's like the, the, the nerd thing has been completely played out. Because when I was a kid, the last thing you wanted to be was a nerd. Exactly. People you always say like, weren't. "Oh, Aaron, you're a comedy nerd, or you're a Star Wars nerd." I'm like, no, don't call me that. Yeah. Like, I just like it. All right, yeah. leave me alone. And like, you see these girls saying, always saying, "Oh my God, I'm such a nerd, you guys. I'm such a I'm like." No, you're not, dude. You know what pisses me off? Because you wear glasses too, and I wear glasses. Yeah. I'm not wearing them right now, but. There's a kid, and he would wear glasses. I was like, "Oh man, those are cool!" Like, blah, blah, blah. he's like, "Oh, they're they're fake. They got no oh, lenses." Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's like, an dude, accessory now. Yeah, like I hate wearing my glasses. And you're just wearing them go, for fun. People ask me, "Are those prescription?" Of course. Why the hell would I wear them if they weren't? <laughs> I wear bifocals. Yeah, it's a disability. I didn't buy these at Hot Topic. Exactly. I got them at <laughs> I got them at the Costco uh, Lens Center. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. I'm such a nerd, you guys. You guys want to know how much of a nerd I am? I have an R2D2 bikini on right now. <laughs> That's how much of a nerd I am. <laughs> Everyone wants to fuck this nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? That's not a nerd. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody wanted to fuck the nerd when I was a kid. Totally, yeah. So you did everything you could to not be one. Even in my generation, the whole thing just started like five years ago. I so like still, when I was in the end of high school, it's like, oh, oh, it's cool now? Damn it. Damn it. You know, I still, I mean, I hid my, t- I, I played with toys till you were probably too Dude, old. I just bought another like R2-D2 Pez dispenser yesterday, so I, it's embarrassing. I have, I still have my Castle Grayskull. No way, yeah. My He-Man Castle Grace. That's so right. So now I have two because it came back and my son wanted a Castle Grace skull and I'm like, I still have mine. <laughs> so now I have the modern the more modern one and right. the one from the 80s that I have. That's so kid. sick. But yeah, I, play, I mean yeah, that whole It'll go away soon. People will be like, "All right." Like, that's enough it's of that. It's so trendy, dude. Yeah. The whole nerd melt thing, the mm-hmm. whole all that like nerd comedy. I see some comics out in the open mic like circuit who like they don't look like a nerd at all. If you saw them on the street, yeah. but they're like trying so hard at like nerd mail or something like that. They're wearing yeah. like a shirt that says like Doctor Who on it. And they're trying writing nerd jokes like specifically. I'm like, you dude. know why? Because it's trendy right now. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you don't look Those like are the guys getting booked. Yeah. Those are the guys getting work. Right. You know, comedies and I've, I've comedy centrals, comics to watch showcases are all these alty nerdy guys and girls. Let's make a secret alliance, me and you, nerds, when we'll act like bros, and we'll just yeah. go back and reestablish. Yeah. <laughs> just stuff people in lockers yeah, again. <laughs> the yo, tables have turned. A, yo, we're having a kegger at my house, and then we fool everybody into coming, and it's just a screening of the new Star Wars movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my parents are gone. Keep it down. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, do you feel like martial arts like uh, totally like helps? Because I feel like martial arts beautifully like interweaves with comedy like joe rogan talks about it all the time and like, it, it's it's a it's it, it's a it's a lifestyle it's it's a it's a, builds it's a character state of mind that you have yeah it, that it's like you have you as a as a martial artist you, you, i don't know this is going to sound so dorky but you're a kind of like a warrior and you're you're like like bushido is like the warrior you know what i mean and like you, 
you every like there's a you, there's a healthy amount of fear that you 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 know you should have you should be a little bit of afraid of, of things yeah you know and if you go into a fight and you're like fearless you're not a human you're <laughs> right. nuts you know what i mean because nobody likes to get hit in the fucking face if you're sane right you know? yeah but it's like that that healthy amount kind of a thing and, and, it, and it's just this whole lifestyle of like you know facing adversity as far as you know the fear of getting on stage and right. i think colbert just said the other day he's like if i'm not nervous i'm not trying like exactly you need it you know what i mean a little bit you know it, it, i i still pace a little bit mm. right before i go even on even even at a place like the comedy of magic club which is like i feel like is like a second home to me mm-hmm. and i'm so comfortable on that stage and so comfortable backstage and so comfortable with the people there but right before i'm about to go on there's that second where i'm like oh, okay Whew. okay yeah you know I, I gotta, I got, I got this, right? You know, but and like you like Colbert said, it's healthy. You know, you mean it. But my martial arts training, I believe, did help me mentally with stand up, as far as the, as far as training to be a good stand up comic, because to be a good fighter and a good martial artist, there's a lot of training involved, and there's like a state of mind that you got to be in, and there's a there's methods, and like this is the same thing with comedy, and I learned that discipline from martial arts. Like, okay, I have to, you know, it teaches I, you to come back even if you yeah, get knocked down. Like, I have to tell this joke over and over again because that's another thing that I didn't get. Wait a minute, You're, we're saying the same thing every night over yeah, and over I again. Like, that was like weird to me. <laughs> but then I thought, wait a minute, that's what you do with martial arts. You do this technique over and over again. You have not mastered a technique until you've done it a thousand times. Totally. Or more. You know? You know, and, and, and in joke telling and, or storytelling, the way I, because I'm not really a joke teller, I tell mm-hmm. stories and I try to find the funny in it. But, you know, I have to tell that story so many times over and over again until I find those beats and I'm natural at those beats and that I know, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. And it's just the same thing. It's just that you train, you're training. That's Absolutely. my opinion, anyway. That's another interesting thing you mentioned because I, when I was watching you like two years ago, I don't know if you're getting ready for the Tonight Show spot, but yep. like a lot of your, because you're doing like five minute spots and yep. they're all yep. like set up punch, set up punch, like yeah. really tight set. Yeah. And then I saw you headline at Gaslamp like this summer, I think. Uh-huh. And it was just like, I'd never seen you do like a full like story and you like interweaved everything. Right. And it was there's a, so cool to watch. There's a, there's a late night formula. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty simple. It's only like four minutes, right? Five four minutes. and a half minutes. Get your first laugh within the first 30 seconds, yeah. 90 seconds to get them on your side. And it's set up, punch, set up, punch, set up, punch. Good night. Right. You know. And if you could find a way to tell a short story with that that kind of a thing mm-hmm. and find the punchlines and stuff, that's that, that's it. But then, uh, then I like... I like being able to stretch my legs, you know. Oh, I'm doing tw- an hour tonight. I remember when 20 minutes was like oh shit i'm doing a 20 minute that <laughs> you have no idea how fast 20 minutes goes by now yeah perfect example i was i was uh i got i got i uh last week i emceed for david coulier oh yeah, yeah at the comedy magic mm-hmm. and he was scheduled to do 50 minutes mm-hmm. 5-0 and he walks in and he looks at the thing he goes 50 minutes man that's not gonna happen <laughs> he goes i just start getting warmed up at 50 minutes oh geez that's yeah. what he said wow and it's amazing how I was on a sh- I did a show oh a couple weeks ago uh, I was at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte with Brent Morin mm-hmm. now Brent's flight had an issue and he almost didn't make the first show so I was going to headline the first show 
luckily he made it. Yeah. But the owner comes in and he says, okay, you're going to headline. And he looks at the kid I'm seeing and goes, do you have 50, you got 15 minutes? This kid started sweating. Like 15 minutes scared the shit out of him. <laughs> and he just went, oh, 15 minutes. And he starts going through his book. And I'm like, <laughs> and it's amazing how when you're at that stage, that feels like a long time. Totally, yeah. To me, that's frightening, by right. the way. The 15 minutes. Dude, it's, there's going to come a time. I know you guys do it every like, night at the comedy store, but to me, I'm like, holy crap. Like, that's an album to me. <laughs> yeah. There's going to come a time where you're like, I'm only doing 15 tonight. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I, I get lit at 20 minutes, and I'm like, whoa, that creeped up quick. Wow, that's awesome. You know? yeah. Because you have so much that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got to do. You just got to keep talking about things. Keep telling these stories. I don't know. I haven't seen you do stand-up. Is it storytelling? Because it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Is it storytelling, jo- jokes, uh, one-liners? Mostly jokes, yeah. Okay. Like one-liners. I, I, I like... I haven't figured out the storytelling yet. It's so the, such an abstract thought it, to me. It, it, here's the thing. It's it, like there are guys that are one-liner comics and joke tellers that I just... Fraser Smith, dude. Oh, yeah. That guy kills I don't know how he memorizes kill, an hour Ill, version. Ills me. Yeah. And then Adam Hunter, he's also a love that guy. Yeah, he was on the show. Yeah, one liner caught me, and it's just boom, 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 and that's that's a skill. Totally. But there's also the guy who could tell a story, and within the story, gets you and gets you with a punch, and gets you with a punch, and gets you with a punch. Those are my heroes, the storytelling guys. But yeah. I, for whatever reason, and can't wrap my head around I, it. I was listening to Mark Maron's podcast, and I listened to the listen to the Bob Newhart episode. Okay, yeah, yeah. Great episode. Yeah. And Marin keeps referring to Newhart as a comic, as a comic, as a comic. And Bob finally says, I'm, a, I'm not a comic, I'm a comedian. And Marin's like, what's the difference, dude? Mm-hmm. And Newhart says, a comic is a guy who says funny things. A comedian is a guy who says things funny. Mm-hmm. And there's the storytelling. Yeah. Saying funny things like I went to the thing and I got the thing, but I'm boom, boom. Exactly. Then I got the next thing. But being able to just just to talk to you and just make it funny, just the conversation funny. Right. That's that's the difference there. Totally. Yeah. And 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 there's no better. No, I don't think that one is better than the other. But I think that when you decide what you're going to be, you know. Yeah. And I've decided, and I decided um, to to do that storytelling because I thought how genius to be able to talk about us one subject for so long. And have all the, I don't know if you've seen the story I've been telling lately about the parking enforcement officer that I almost got yeah. a fight with. <laughs> yeah. Real story. But I was able to say, how can I find some, and find the funny. And then you just learn that by being on stage. Things that come out of my mouth that people laugh at sometimes, I go, huh, okay, I guess that's funny then. Yeah, you but I remember that, yeah. I, but, I, but I was just talking, which is good because I'm like, I'm a funny guy. I guess I said a funny thing and I didn't know I was going to say a funny right. thing. Right. And you need to be a funny guy in this business. So uh, that when I heard when I heard Newhart say that to Marin, I was like, "That's what I am. I'm a comedian. I'm totally. a comedian. I'm a storyteller. I'm a guy who says things funny." Yeah, you know. And I I want to be able to tell the story of my child coming out of my wife's body, but <laughs> make it funny. Yeah, you know. I want to take a story like me wanting to knock this dude on his ass because I was furious, and at the time there was nothing funny about it. Like I was legit. Thinking, should I risk going to jail to knock this dude out? Like, yeah. He had me that angry. And there was nothing funny about that. <laughs> yeah. And I got to the improv and I'm heated. And my brother was there. And he's like, dude, what's wrong? I go, man, you're not going to believe what I-. And I'm cussing this mother. And I'm yelling about it still. <laughs> and I'm telling the story. And my brother's like, talk about it on stage. Wow. And I yelled about it so much that night. Yep. That the next day I had no voice. <laughs> and I talk about it on stage. I said, I got so mad at somebody recently. 
that I had lost my voice. Right. And I was literally talking like this because I was screaming at the guy, yeah. but then screaming about it in the car by myself. After I was like, this motherfucker. I was <laughs> still heated. Yeah. Like, so, I haven't been this pissed in a long time. And the next night I got a spot in the belly room at the comedy store and it was packed and it was a great crowd and I went on stage and I thought, I better explain why. You're like Miles Davis. <laughs> why I'm talking like this. Yeah. And I, and I told the story. And while telling the story, I'm thinking, oh shit, this is so funny. And I would say the thing I thought was funny and it would get a laugh. And I just told the story. It wasn't constructed yet. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it was just kind of there, but it was... And as soon as I told the story, this was the day after, and I was still pretty pissed, I wasn't mad anymore about it. Yeah. I'm not... I'm, I literally was like... I called the city the next day to complain about this guy. Like, I was that mad. <laughs> yeah. I was like, old guy mad. Like, right. I'm calling your supervisor. <laughs> I'm going to write a letter to my You know what I mean? That yeah. shit, you know? <laughs> now I'm like, if I see the guy, I'll probably give him a hug and thank him for the new bit he gave me. <laughs> you know? That's the ultimate comedian's revenge. It's like, oh, you're best. you're my 15 minutes now. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really Thanks for appreciate letting. It. This was awesome, dude. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Fun stuff. Fun stuff.